Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Did you know that over 95% of all businesses fail within the first 10 years? By listening in to what Bob's guests have to say, plus direction from Bob Pritchard himself, it's our intention that you won't be among those statistics. Now, here's your host, Bob Pritchard. Hello, world. Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show, the business radio show for entrepreneurs. This is the no bullshit, tell it the way it is, business radio show, and we're broadcasting today from Los Angeles, California. If you're listening for the first time, this is a radio program where we do everything we can to assist entrepreneurs by bringing you the latest information, advice on all aspects of business, and not only from here in the United States, but also throughout the world. And we're pretty proud of the fact that um, we're the number one radio show globally for entrepreneurs, and it's because of you, and we thank you very, very much for listening. We really appreciate it. So let's look at some of the week's news. In the drive to capture clicks and pull in dollars from online sales, Amazon, which has done well for years, is the clear front runner. No question about that. But the 2013 e-commerce sales data, it suggests that the race is heating up a bit. Apple, in a giant surge in online sales, took the number two spot. And that's long been held, as you probably know, by the office supply chain Staples. Apple notched up a 24% increase in online sales last year to $18.3 billion dollars. And uh, this increase in Apple sales came from their online hardware sales as well as the digital sales from its App Store and iTunes. So that's a big, big jump, 24%. These rivals share one big advantage over all of the other companies that are in this space. They've got millions of people with credit cards on file, just one click away from making a purchase. It's just about making them do that. So it's not surprising that Amazon is getting into tablets and phones and TV. Not enormously successful, I might add, but uh, they're in there and they'll probably improve as they go along. But online sales still remain only a small fraction of the bricks and mortar retailer sales. Amazon Amazon sold $67.8 billion in electronics, media and other products last year, which was more than their next 10 biggest online competitors combined. So Amazon's still out there, but uh, others are catching up. Social media has got tremendous advantages with the viral effect and naming you to just enables you to spread your messages about your company and your products across the world in minutes. So one minute, nobody's ever heard of you. The next minute, you're global. But it's also got a downside. It enables anyone to attack you personally. They can attack your product and your company. And they don't need any justification. All they've got to do is decide they don't like you and wage an online campaign against you. And when this negative information goes viral, 
anybody in the world can access it, access it. It doesn't matter whether they're sitting in an igloo in, in Iceland or whether they're, um, no matter where in the world they are, they can find out what a nasty, mean, awful, dreadful person you are, even if you're not. And the damage that it can do to you personally or your business can be absolutely devastating. So the concept behind online reputation management for businesses is quite simple. The explosion of web-based business directories, local search engines, review sites, blogs, social media, and all the rest of it has created this vast digital world where bits and pieces of information about you, your business, and your products can exist in places you have never heard of and probably if you sat down at your computer for a month, you would never find. Now, the problem is, what if those bits and pieces are not accurate or not complete and in the worst case, just downright lies that are really damaging? In short, the good name and the reputation that you've worked so hard to build and maintain for your business isn't merely local. Information about your business exists in databases operated by companies in far-flung corners, not only of the US, but around the world. You know, anybody can see that information, existing customers, potential customers, and they'll take that into account when, when they're deciding whether or not they want to buy from you. So this is where online reputation management comes in. Now, reputation management used to mean bringing in hired guns to remove or repair damaging reviews or other information. Or maybe it was breaking a leg or two. But today, it's much, much more. It can be as critical as running a successful business. It's like um, monitoring your financial statements or having a marketing plan. It is that important. It requires... And you've got to say it really deserves a place on every business owner's to-do list. So if it's not on your to-do list, you ought to think about it. You know, don't let the management part scare you. I mean, often we look at management and we go, oh, suggest hard. There are lots and lots of helpful tools out there that you can do. They do all the heavy lifting for you. And uh, they give you a really quick and easy way to keep an electric electronic ear to the ground so that you can make sure that the information that's being published about you and your business and what's being said in the fast-moving world of social media is accurate. I know a lot of people, a lot of people that I deal with have low-cost but effective online tools to make reputation management really quite a snap. But the four things, you know, when you look at online management, there's really only four things that you need to track. One is your visibility. The second are the reviews that you might get, either you, the company, or the products. The third is what's being said about you on social media. And the fourth one that's really important is what are people saying about their competition, about your competition? So no matter what type of business you run, it should be visible in all the places that people might want to find you. 
This would include, you know, search engines and directories and industry and professional local sites that specialise in your area of business. But it, be, it goes way beyond just being listed in those places. It's also critical to know whether your information is accurate and as complete as you want it to be. The other area that I think you, you may want to monitor is online reviews. Now, you know, we often think online reviews, well, that's great for bars and restaurants and movies. But these days, you know, customers write reviews about all types of businesses from doctors and dentists to dog trainers and plumbers and printers and pool cleaners, just about everything gets reviewed. And they can literally reside in hundreds and hundreds of places on the web, not just Yelp or the Internet Yellow Pages. Reviews published on one site are routinely just republished all over the place. And if you don't know what's being said about your business online, you could be missing something really serious that's doing you a hell of a lot of damage. Now, social buzz is probably the newest and fastest growing member of these four things I mentioned. So are customers, clients or prospects mentioning news or needs related to your business? Are they mentioning you by name on social sites like Facebook and LinkedIn and Twitter and blogs? Are they checking out your business on services like Foursquare and, or posting photos of your establishment on Flickr? Using a reputation tracking service is the key to ensuring that consumers search for what you offer and they'll find your business. And then when they do find it, the information will be accurate, complete and positive. It pulls together your directory listings, your reviews, your social media mentions, photos, videos, everything about you from anywhere and everywhere that they exist on the internet. So all you need is a very simple single dashboard that you control from your desktop. I mean, you can sit at home and take steps to fill in the information gaps. You can share positive reviews. Um, you can respond to negative reviews. You can see what customers like about you and what they don't like about you or what they like about your competition and what they don't like about your competition. You know, you can sign up to be notified when your reputation monitor finds something new out there and even track the same thing for your closest competitors. You know, I, I always say the first thing you should get up, do when you get up in the morning, should wake up in the morning, have your first cup of coffee and go and check on what your um, competitors are saying on their website. You know, people think that's crazy, but it's so often companies stick stuff up on their website that they don't mean to be up there. All sorts of secrets get accidentally published and usually they get taken down very quickly. But if you're on top of it and you get in there, you're gonna, it's amazing what you can find. I, I've seen some cases where some of the information that's been put on the web accidentally by companies has been absolute gold to competitors. But using um, you know, a reputation monitor dashboard, you can see graphs and charts and other information, plus 
You know, they give you suggestions and tools that can manage and improve your visibility and your reputation. And for all these reasons, and probably a whole bunch more, reputation management is a topic and a tool whose time has come. If you're a business and you're serious about being successful, you've really got to be out there checking your reputation on a daily basis. There's, there's lots of tools out there. As I mentioned, there's heaps of them, but probably the ones I'd recommend are a tracker, um, which shows you not only what people are seeing but how influential they are. And there's a 10-day trial, I think, on their plan. Names, N-A-Y-M-Z. Now, this gives you a rep score, a reputation score, based on how people find your brand as well as through your social influence, and they measure that through social sharing indicators. And best part about names, it's free. Zero, nada. And Brand's Eye is the third one I'd recommend. And it's got all the basics of reputation management, but it also offers a, com- a competition analysis. And... Um, that's very, very handy. I think actually you pay. In fact, I'm sure you do. You pay for Brand's Eye, but it's well worthwhile. You know, there's lots of others. I'm just trying to think of them. But Brand Watch, um, Technorati, Ranker, Alterian, Social Mention, Who's Talking, uh, Google Alerts, of course, which, while it's pretty basic, is really easy. Now, this program is all about entrepreneurs. We salute you. You know, whether you've just opened a dry cleaning store or you've developed a new app. And, you know, we don't give a rats if you're 14 or 114. If you're an entrepreneur and you've got off your ass and you've got enough guts to get out there and give it a go, we are big fans and we'll do everything we possibly can to assist you. And we applaud entrepreneurs. And uh, we found a startup that I reckon is going to revolutionise the credit card that you already have in your wallet. Now, several times when I've been travelling overseas, my bank, which is Chase, has put my credit card on hold without telling me. It's an anti-fraud measure, so I guess I'm happy about that. They're uh, diligent in stopping me from being defrauded, but it's a pain in the ass when you walk up to make a a purchase and they say, sorry, sir, but your card isn't working. I mean, that's embarrassing. So um, I'd rather do without the embarrassment. So now you can pair your card with your smartphone to make sure that it's always you that's handing over your card at a store. And... uh, that's just one of the many features that an app created by OnDot, a startup that hopes to, and I'm pretty sure they might make a dent in the way we use credit cards. They've got a thing called OnDot Card Control. So we can actually turn a card on or off with one swipe. That's pretty cool. So the only person who can use my chase is me when I want it to be used. It restricts purchases to certain geographic locations. So if I'm in the United States and somebody tries to use 
my card or my numbers in Lithuania, they get knocked back. It also gives alerts when transactions are made. So if you get an alert on your smartphone and uh, you haven't used your smart card, you know about it. You know, you can also hand off your card to a family friend who can use the card, but you can restrict purchases to certain items or certain amounts of money. I reckon that's all pretty cool. So, you know, I could give my card to my son and say, mate, you've got a spending limit of 100 bucks, and you can only buy groceries with it. Well, he's restricted. And it works with all of the cards that you've already got in your wallet. So it's been in stealth mode for three years, fundraising, testing, developing relationships, all the stuff that all startups do. And uh, it's partnered with four major credit card processors and 10,000 banks and credit unions across the US. So I, for one, absolutely love it and salute yet another brilliant entrepreneur. Now, you're listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show, and the whole reason we're here is to assist entrepreneurs to become successful. So if you have a question about any aspect of business, please don't hesitate to email me at bob at bobpritchard.com and we'll answer it on air or we'll email you directly. And if we answer it on air, we will send you a copy of my new book, Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, How to Blitz Your Competition, and we're sure that you will love it. We're the number one show in the world on the radio for entrepreneurs, so no matter where you are on the planet, we thank you very much for listening. After the break, I'm talking with Martin Etherington, who's a great guy. He's from England. Apart from that, he's still a great guy. And he's the Chief Marketing Officer at Mitel, which is a leading provider of unified communication software solutions. He uh, has oversight responsibility for all aspects of Mitel's corporate marketing strategy and programs globally. And he's spent uh, 25 years with a lot of companies, including Tektronics, where he most recently held the position of Vice President Worldwide Marketing. He's a good guy. I think you'll enjoy the interview very much. So you're listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show on Voice America Business, and I'll be back with Martin in just a moment. Do you want your business to achieve results you never thought possible? Bob Pritchard is recognized as the business leader's advisor and has 30 years of experience as a straight-talking troubleshooter for Fortune 500 companies and SMEs across the world. Whether you need a checkup across all departments of your business or simply want to improve marketing, advertising, performance measurement, or some other area, Bob Pritchard will work his magic so you can blow away your competition. Bob Pritchard is also one of the most in-demand speakers in the world. Over 1,500 clients on five continents and countless standing ovations are a testament to how he changes the fortunes of business. Pick up Bob's new book, Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, at your nearest bookstore or visit Bob's website at www.bobpritchard.com. Remember, if you want to be successful, call Bob Pritchard now. Worldwide phone numbers and more information can be found at bobpritchard.com. 
From the boardroom to you. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Now, this is a segment of the show where we interview successful people, business people who are interesting, who have achieved and that have something that they can share with entrepreneurs and other business people to help us all become more successful. Being successful is tough. You know, it's not easy to be in business. It's not easy to be an entrepreneur. And the people that make it have qualities that we want to emulate. So it's important that we, we talk to as many successful people as we can. And as I've said a number of times, surround yourself with mentors because mentors become unbelievably important as you progress in, in business and in life too for that matter because um, they can prevent us from making a lot of the fundamental mistakes that are easy to make but uh, not if you know what to look out for. Now Martin Netherington is described as the Chief Marketing Officer and Chief of Staff of Mitel and he's responsible for all aspects of the company's corporate marketing strategy its branding and its digital programs globally. As Chief of Staff, he's responsible for the execution and follow-through of the CEO and Mitel's business priorities. Now, prior to joining Mitel, Martin served for 11 years as Tektronic Vice President of Marketing, and he had responsibility for business operations and general management of the Latin America region. He's pretty smart, this boy. He's actually he's actually from England, so but he's still smart. Um, now, in this role, he provided leadership for all Tektronic marketing and business operations worldwide as re- and was responsible for the development and execution of the company's go-to-market and marketing growth strategies. Morning, Martin. How are you? Good morning, Bob. Um, very well, thank you. Good. Um, I'm intrigued by one of your titles, Um these days, there seems to be a the C-suite seems to be overflowing with people. You've got chief ethics officers and chief experience officers and chief environmental officers. Now you're the chief of staff at Mitel. Is that like being a traffic cop to the CEO, or do you solve issues before they get to it? Get to the CEO, or what exactly is the role of a CEO of the of the Chief uh, of Staff, and with more C departments, are you just erecting more silos doing that, or are you removing silos? Are you actually, uh, you're actually trying to remove and break down silos. You're removing uh, glass ceilings, you're removing silos, um, you're making sure that uh, each of the functions are uh, working towards an agenda uh, that, that the uh, CEO sets, and um, um, we also get to uh, run uh, the operations too, so I'm responsible for um, the South forecasting, making sure that's in place, the monthly operations reviews. So it cuts across um, all um, all aspects of the company. And with a CMO title, um, unfortunately, sometimes it doesn't um, bode well for uh, interrelationships with uh, some of my other peers at times because you have to go and ask the, the tough questions. 
Yeah. Um, but um, it's, it's a new role, and it's a formulating role. Many companies are starting to do it today. Yeah, there seems to be more and more of them. Um, so what does the um, CEO do, just sit off and play golf and get a call from you every little while? Absolutely. <laughs> no, I mean, he's got, he's, he's got a tough job of um, um, making sure that, I mean, he's got nine bosses as board of director. Yeah. Uh, I've got one. Um, and, uh, of course, he's got to work towards um, creating shareholder value and running this uh, $1.1 billion entity. So um, delegation and making sure that I, we run uh, his uh, key priorities and his objectives. Right. You, um, Mytel provides a complete business communication solutions for just about every need that there is. As the person responsible for their corporate marketing strategy and the brand and the digital programs globally, it seems to me that you're the key person for the future success of the company. I mean, it's all about um, your digital marketing these days and your digital programs. How do you handle um, being the chief of staff and also effectively do the um, the marketing role, which must be a, a very challenging area that you've got to constantly keep on top of? I mean, things are changing so quickly in communication. How do you how do you do both? Or you just live at the office? Yeah, a little bit of that. I also wouldn't wouldn't say I'm I'm, I'm that important. And in fact, I withdraw my organisation charts upside down. So. The person furthest away from the customer, in my view, is the least important. But um, as you said in your intro and on your website, it's all about surrounding yourself by good people. And from the digital perspective, that is, I mean, basically, digital is now marketing. And um, in the past year and a half since I've been at Mytel, we've changed our marketing investment to digital from less than 5% to um, 50% of our uh, marketing budget is now digital. Um, and it allows us to pay a punch way above our weight when uh, you're up against um, companies such as Cisco and Avaya. Yes. Who've got much deeper pockets than we have. So that's why um, uh, we, we really shifted our efforts and our programs towards digital. Well, that's where it's, that's where it's all going now anyway, isn't it? But, so do you have a, a room full of nerds that create all these wonderful things and... I was speaking to um, the guy from Silicon Valley yesterday and he was saying that one of the problems is unless you keep sort of on top of it all the time, they go off on tangents and start creating all these wonderful things that you don't really need and don't really um, give you a return on investment. Um, is, is that a problem? Absolutely. I mean, it's, it, many, many companies fall into, even, even some of my peers that I know, fall into the category of trying too hard to to look good versus doing good. And really what I mean by that is that the smoke and mirrors of the aesthetics of uh, doing great creative, but really great creatives should sell something. And uh, we run a very, very tight operational um, uh, ship here. And um, we have monthly operations reviews from our digital team. They have a set of uh, key performance indicators. Yep. And we do a, a deep dive into it. It's not delivering um, on their promises. We all want to know why. We go down to understand the root cause. And we countermeasure it. So uh, it gets away from the smokescreen of looking good. We want to figure out we're doing good and actually uh, driving business forward. Yeah, everything starts with a sale, doesn't it? I mean, you can have the greatest programs in the world. You can have the, the cleverest tech people around. But if you're not selling people stuff, you don't have a business. Absolutely, absolutely. In fact, as actually Peter Drucker said, um, the whole purpose of business is to create and keep customers. And so many people forget that. Yeah, 
True. So, what's Martin's story? How did Martin start and what brought him to America? Um, unlike uh, the, the Australians, we weren't actually uh, shipped off overseas and uh, starting a <laughs> colony. I came with my own free will. So, um, um, my story started way back. Um, pretty unorthodox, Bob. Um, left school 16, hardly any qualifications, ended up working in the shipyard for four years. Um, I'm actually a qualified painter and sign writer, so uh, <laughs> not necessarily the orthodox role for a CMO, but no, true. at the end of that, uh, under four years, I was uh, made redundant, um, ran my own uh, painting decorating business, but I knew I had a brain, so um, I went back to college, uh, married at 21, mortgaged at that same time, back to college at 23, and uh, got myself an education in computer science, and uh, knew that... Um, that was the, the way forward. Um, worked all God's hours to actually uh, make sure I did a good job at that uh, um, qualification. And then managed to get into a big company called DEC. I was the second only to IBM at that time. And then uh, worked my way through. Worked for an Intel spin-off called Sequent. That's about uh, $1.1 billion um, business. Technical sales roles, marketing roles. And then um, came across the U.S. in '96 to be the chief of staff for... Um, a $1.1 billion organization. And then um, we were bought by IBM, so it was at IBM for a couple of years, running their server division. And then I had three near life, uh, near career death uh, experiences and three startups. And I think in your <laughs> notes, uh, Bob, that you uh, you say that the startups and the small businesses, um, 90% of them fail. But although we failed, it was very, very hit my ego at the time, but it was probably the best learning I've ever had. And then I had to go and get a proper job, and that's why I ended up Tetronix, ran their um, marketing for uh, 10, 11 years. And for the last about seven years of that, we were bought by a company called Danaher. Yes. And Danaher, a $20 billion operation who were really fanatics about lean and picked up some great experience about lean and how to apply lean processes to all parts of business, not just manufacturing. So, yeah, rather unorthodox, but um, I think those, those lessons probably teach you uh, a lot more than probably any uh, any business school or any books could, could possibly. You learn a lot more from failures than you do from successes, don't you? Absolutely. It is. At the time, it really, really hurts and it hits your ego, but um, it, it really is a great professor. So at the time you were 20 or 21 or whatever and you, you're married and you've got to work in the shipyard or whatever you do, what, what was the motivation? I mean, a, a mortgage, a lot of pressure. It must have been extremely difficult to step away from that and go to co- go to college. Um, how, did, how did your family and your your peers relate to that? Well, in fact, they didn't. Uh, they, they couldn't understand why I didn't want to work in the shipyards for the rest of my life. They, they thought, well... As long as you've got enough money to put on the table to uh, a roof over your head and feed and clothe the kids and enough money for a beer on a Friday, that, that was life. And, but there was something in, inside of me knew there wasn't. I was a uh, prolific reader, and particularly about countries overseas, always uh, fascinated by North America, even then uh, with a relatively low uh, education. Uh, yeah. But something that, that really drove me to want to, to, to do better, but also to use my brain too. Right. This country's got an amazing can-do attitude. You know, I know Australia's very much like England, in my view, in that um, people do have 
a pretty negative outlook and they also um, um, have what we call the tall poppy syndrome where um, they tend to want to have a shot at people who are successful and what I love about it over here is that um, um, people do encourage you. You get every encouragement in the world over here and it, it makes a huge difference to the potential to be successful. Absolutely. I think pe- people applaud and encourage success here and it's not frowned upon. I think, yeah, you say the tall poppy syndrome. We have that back in the UK too. And yeah, you do. It's okay for you. but um, And over here, it's, uh, it's vastly different. So, um, it's it's been an area that you can thrive and uh, you can grow as big as you want to or uh, um, and uh, I found it very very encouraging and uh, the opportunities have been far greater here in uh, the US than, uh, than my homeland of, uh, of England yeah that's true um, can you just tell us a little bit about Mitel and the merger a few months ago with um, Astra yeah we uh, Mitel has been around for 40 years um, and when I joined a year and a half ago, it really felt like a 40-year-old startup. Um, right. Probably not in a good sense either. Um, it was really a lack of processes, lack of some rigor and discipline, and uh, we were a little bit like a, a sailing boat without the dagger board down, sort of skidding right. across uh, the waters. <laughs> yeah. So um, really, in, in essence, we've, um, we were looking uh, to really change some strategy. It all started with Richmond B, our uh, um, president and CEO, um, sending a course for us to simplifying our business. Right. And uh, part of that was a uh, growth strategy was, was that by acquisition. And um, we uh, acquired or merged with uh, Astra at the end of January. It took us from a just over a $500 million company to a $1.1 billion company. And over the 12, last 12 months, we've acquired four companies. And um, it really has set us on a trajectory of, uh, of very, very fast growth um, with uh, the inclusion of Astra. But what that's given us is a very strong uh, foothold in uh, Western Europe, where until then we were strong in the UK and the Netherlands. And what Astra's given us is we're number one or number two market share in all the major companies uh, in the US. And it's also helped really uh, prop up our uh, cloud strategy. And um, uh, it really, really bodes well for the future. So there's usually two reasons that... Um, people make acquisitions, isn't there? Either to gain um, um, technology or a, a um, talent that they that they don't have, or to grow market share through the clients of the, the whoever you're acquiring. So, so yours was the reason for the acquisition was primarily to buy um, new territories and and contacts and distribution. Absolutely, it's a, it's, a, it's a land grab, and um, the area that we're, that we're in right now, uh, that was really ripe for consolidation, and um, this just had um, all the right synergies written over it, all over it, and there's very, very little overlap, so from an outside looking in, it, it made perfect sense, and of course, we did a lot of due diligence, but um, um, it, it looked at all the right signals from, uh, uh, from the start. Right. So, the cloud... We hear about the cloud constantly, and uh, a lot of people that um, listen to this program are still kind of confused on what the cloud is and how it, um, why it's so important to business today. So I'll just ask you that question directly. Why is the cloud so important in driving business communications? 
And from, from, uh, from our perspective, it's really what our customers have been asking for for many years, and very few companies can actually do it. And the important thing that the cloud gives customers is, is the, the choice. Um, and often it's, um, you get better service, but you also don't need the technical support or the hardware on in your office. So for many years, to, to run a, a commercial phone system, you probably would have had to have um, uh, wiring in, uh, in your office. You'd probably have had to have something called a PBX, which is basically a small I computer. I remember them well. Your, <laughs> did you? Um, it shows our age, doesn't it, Bob? But, um, yeah, it does. It, it, and then also, of course, you need probably a, a technical person, a communications person. Um, but so what the cloud offers you is uh, the ability to use, really, the Internet to run your, your phone systems. And you don't have to make a capital expense with that PBX or little hardware system in your, in your office. It's all done in the cloud, off-site. Um, and um, it, you then pay a subscription fee versus a capital fee. So it's, um, it's cheaper. Um, it's actually more effective than technology is now. Make sure that um, you've got a very, very uh, good service for your phone systems, communication systems. You're also seeing contact centers now, now appear in the cloud as well. And you can also, you know, you've got instant access no matter where you are in the world or whoever um, needs to, to make contact. Um, the cloud is an extraordinarily competitive market segment these days. So um, how's Mitel providing the best path of the cloud for their customers? I mean, how do, how do you maximize that? Well, there's also a lot of cloud washing going on, a lot of proclamations about um, what cloud companies washing. can do. Cloud washing, which is the same as... Um, I have never heard of that re- before. Re- but many, many customers do, and they always talk about cloud or this um, amorphous mass or this cure or elixir for all ailments. Yeah. Um, but in essence, um, our offering um, in the cloud is, is based upon uh, just probably last five, six years' experience um, that we've probably got into the cloud very early on. We've um, implemented um, cloud offerings, and we have over 625,000 users um, and users actually using cloud solutions. So we've got a proven track record where a number of competitors like Cisco and Avaya are just now talking about it. We've been doing it for the last five years. and um, So that's why we say we're way beyond the cloud washing. We're actually doing it. We've got a proven track record, and we can offer our customers the best path to the cloud in their time. If they don't want to move to the cloud, stay on their um, uh, premise-based systems. If they want to move to the cloud, we can do it in three ways, either private cloud, public cloud, or even a hybrid of uh, cloud and and premise. So we want to make sure that we offer the choice that's right for our customers, not force it upon them, as uh, some of our other competitors are are trying to do right now. So so what gave you um, this... um Advantage at being a, an early adopter is it? Um, is it the fact that the the company is very lean and mean and and aggressive and can pivot very quickly to do whatever, or is it was it just um, somebody a visionary in the company that said early on, let's go to the, through the cloud. I, th- I think it's um, I think it's probably the latter. I think it's someone who saw this whole notion of virtualization starting to take um, uh, get momentum, and I think there's also a realization that the same was happening to our industry that happened to the computer industry, which is that the need for hardware, hardware, and having big servers on in your office 
yeah. was was shifting, and they they saw um, a company called VMware, uh, which was very very which yes. is very strong in in virtual virtualization. Right. And somebody had the great idea of um, well, if you can virtualize computer systems, you can virtualize communication systems. So we struck up a very uh, early partnership with them, proved it out, and that really has been um, the underpinning of our success, our growth story recently, and um, our success in the cloud. So what's next? Where do, where do, where does the company go technology-wise next? And as far as um, um, territorial expansion, where do you go next? Yeah, I think I think there's a number of areas. I think everything we we do has got to be driven by the customer and the market, and that's where where we see our customers and the market headed towards. And I think the cloud will will continue to be drive for momentum. But I also think mobility. Uh, what we're hearing from our customers is uh, the bring your own device, making sure that they're able to connect to the communication systems we provide. Make sure that mobility is uh, is um, leading. And I think we're seeing. The whole move towards mobility much, much more prevalent in Europe first, and we're starting to see the early signs of that uh, coming here in the U.S. And uh, so I think mobility in cloud, and I think um, in terms of um, uh, geographic reach, um, Latin America has proven to be a great uh, growth area for us. Yeah, and something we've probably absolutely, I think something we underdelivered and haven't really figured out yet is um, is China and or India. So. I think we've got the, the Latin America uh, area uh, under um, a good direction, but we've got a lot of work to do for India and China to really um, recognize some of that growth opportunity there. Yeah, and China, is that an acquisition target? Uh, it could possibly. I think it's one of those things where you're always looking at um, the, the, the land grabs um, for your core business, and then you're looking to make sure you offset that with augment that with growth areas. Um, and technologies, but um, acquisition could be a channel potentially. So yeah, we're looking at all options, and I think it's probably going to be the probably preferred option because organically, it's such a rapid uh, um, growth area. It's going to be very hard to do. They're they're also both areas that are hard to penetrate unless you um, really understand the culture and and not only understand the culture but have um, um, their people being Chinese or Indian people um, in prime positions otherwise it's very difficult market one of the things you said a second ago that was interesting um is um uh, giving customers what they're demanding um are you leading the customer is the customer leading you in with technology because a lot of companies need to pave the way for um, um their clients to sort of catch up and understand what's happening so are you are you leading the customer or is the customer leading you no, I think we have been in the past, and that, that, that was really to our folly. And I think we lost the recipe um, for, for some while, and we, we became inside-out thinkers um, versus an outside-in thinking company. And really, over the last year and a half, we've, we've transferred the way that we think and put in a customer at the center of our business, where before we put our products, our channel, even our brand at the center of the business, and we forgot our, our, our most important constituency, and that's the customer. So... We've now flipped that around and make sure that we um, really relentlessly focus on a customer. A couple of examples of that is uh, we've grown our user group from when, when I joined from 148 uh, members to just over 1,200 members. We've, um, used, we've put the uh, user group at the front end of our innovation process, not the back end. Um, we've uh, distilled our contact centers from six down to one 
and uh, we had um, many hundreds of white hundred numbers. We made it very hard for our customers to contact us. Right. So we're, we're doing a whole series of customer-centric um, and making sure that everyone in our company recognizes that without the customer, we have no business. And it's really important and incumbent upon us to not only understand how our customers uh, want to uh, want to uh, drive their businesses and what we can do to support them, especially the competition. So everything starts, finishes, and ends with... Um, with the, the customer, customer in mind. So, it's, yeah, it's a movement it's, which, which we haven't got the recipe down yet. So this is a, a journey that we're embarking upon, but it's a cultural shift we, we have been making. Right. So who, who are the biggest influences and who's had the most influence and who do you admire most in out there in the big business world, Martin? Uh, I've got many. I, I read, uh, I read, I love reading the old masters. Um, David Ogilvy. Uh, advertising and, and the, the modern marketeer Peter Drucker, um, of course, um, anything to do with with Apple and Steve Jobs. But I think some of my, my two of my biggest mentors are my personal mentors, and a, a guy um, that, that lived down my street uh, called Stan Hall taught me uh, the very very uh, early lessons of um, practice. When really he actually took us to soccer, soccer or football practice, right. of practice, 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 and confidence, and. Um, something that I brought uh, to business. And then finally, the other mentor which gave me my big break in the U.S. was a guy called Casey Powell, who was uh, the CEO and chairman of uh, Sequent Computer Systems. And right. at one point, he was, I think, number two or number three to Andy Grove at Intel. Right. And um, okay. he instilled upon me the, the importance of really understanding your market, your customers, but then also contextual leadership too and situational leadership. So... Probably in business, he, without doubt, has probably been my, my biggest mentor and someone I always find myself thinking, well, how would Casey do this? So uh, um, that, that was probably be the, the biggest mentor. Isn't it amazing how many of us, and this is showing our age again, um, grew up with Ogilvy? <laughs> Oh, yeah, no, no, no. I didn't say I grew up with him. I said I actually read some of his books. So. Well, I, I meant that. Um, that's what I meant too. But um, it's amazing how many people um, have um, Ogilvy at the at the core of their early reading. Um, so what's the biggest obstacle you've ever faced? I think it's uh, mostly it's uh, mostly it's cultural inertia and uh, people are wanting to change. And I think... Um, that is probably the, the, the biggest obstacle, um, and um, that I, I think that's that, that's the, the, the silent killer killer of uh, of all organisations. That that inertia um, of uh, of culture and the refusal to change, and and of people who are inwardly focused versus outwardly focused. So is Martin Etherington sort of an inspiring Steve Jobs type guy? I remember I. I only saw Jobs a couple of times, but once when I saw him, there was about 5,000 people in the room, and if he had have said, let's go and jump into the Grand Canyon, I think everybody in the room would have jumped. Um, he just had that ability to lead people anywhere. Is that is that the Martin Etherington that you see in the boardroom? Oh, hell no. No, I, I would, <laughs> would never, ever, ever pump my name with, with someone like that, and I think, no, I, I'm certainly uh, way, way more behind the scenes Um um, and uh, no, could only one could ever dream to be um, in that sort of a uh, rank. But uh, no, I'm, I'm behind the scenes, putting the strings, um, looking at the numbers, reminding people about the customer. So uh, 
much more uh, leading behind the, the scenes and, and hopefully providing an example by doing and showing people how to behave and encouraging people, empowering them and enabling them and taking away the biggest inhibitor of creativity or success and that's fear. So that, that's, that's really my job and it's really behind the scenes, not up front being a, a cheerleader, which, uh, as you know, us, us Brits aren't particularly good at doing that either. <laughs> Martin Etherington, thank you very much for being on the Bob Pritchard Radio Show on Voice America Business. I think the lesson to be big lesson to be taken out of that is the customer is always number one. Without a customer, you don't have a business. Now, if you'd like to know more about Martin, there are a plethora of excellent articles if you look him up on Google, and you can find out more about Mitel's communication solutions by going to mitel.com. You're listening to Bob Pritchard Radio Show on the Voice America Business Network, and I'll be back with you after this short break. Stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll-free, 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Bob Pritchard Straight Talking, absolutely no bullshit business radio show that comes to you at the same time every week on the Voice America Business Network. This week, I am broadcasting from Washington, D.C., where my son is graduating college. So to all you college graduates across America, we congratulate you. Well done. And welcome to the workforce. Go out there, become an entrepreneur. Be one of the people that determines what the future is instead of following someone to the future. Now, although most of the emails that we receive are from the United States, I want to acknowledge our listeners in, in other countries that send us emails. So each week I try to answer at least one email from our international listeners. And uh, so we'll give it a shot again today if we've got enough time. Now, I think the reason that this segment's popular is that irrespective of where you are in the world, what size business you're in, or what you do, you know, we all have the same issues. Um I think I've mentioned that I gave a 10-city tour of Iran, MBA colleges in Iran, and uh, kids were great, and the questions that I received in every one of those cities was exactly the same as the questions that I get asked when I give a presentation in Los Angeles, Vegas, or Florida, exactly the same questions. So whether you're a a retailer, a plumber, a landscape gardener, whether you've got a dry cleaner, no matter what it is, even though I might be answering somebody who uh, makes window frames, the answer I give will probably also apply to you in your business. My first email this week is from Jackson Alexander of San Diego, California, who writes, Dear Bob, 
Thanks for a great show. I listen to it every week. What can I do to maximize my presence online? It seems that all my customers make the internet their first port of call. Incidentally, I also have your new book, and I love it. It has been very helpful. Jackson, thank you very much for that. I appreciate it. And if you don't have a copy of Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, How to Blitz Your Competition, an unashamed plug, go out and buy it. You won't regret it. And how many people say this to you? If you buy Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets and it doesn't change your life from a business perspective, then drop me an email, keep the book, and I will refund you the money that you paid for it. How's that for a deal? That's how confident I am. Jackson, as local marketing becomes more and more competitive, I mean, it really is, local area marketing is really becoming something. Making your online presence and other marketing efforts as powerful as you possibly can becomes really bloody important. More potential customers now go online, not only in your field, but in every field to find what they need locally. Well, that's logical. You know, if I'm in LA, I want to shop in Woodland Hills. I don't want to go way out of town and sit in traffic. For them, it's a very quick and effective approach. And they've come to expect that local businesses are going to show up in any online search. The question is, when they look up your business, will your business show up in that local search? Now, I jotted down nine things that I would recommend that you do to improve your chances of being found and cost effectively. You know, we can all blow a heap of money, but we've got to be, you know, business is tough. We have to be cost effective. Firstly, really perk up your profiles. Local businesses with the most detailed online business profiles, including all your products and all your services and why people should do business with you, get better results. Trouble is your business probably has profiles in more places than you know of. So make sure your online listings are complete, including not just your location and hours, but as much detail as you can about what your business offers and what sets you apart. And if you've got a video, I really suggest that you put that up too. Videos are the most powerful way to communicate with people. And don't forget the second most popular search engine after Google is YouTube. So a great way to monitor how your business appears online is to use a reputation management service as we were discussing earlier in the show. Secondly, narrow your net. You know, a common mistake that um, many businesses make is spending money on ads that appear outside your service area. Determine what your catchment area is and make sure you focus inside it. So inside the the catchment area. Thirdly, first is advisable, but it's not always the best. Um, You know, we get told all the time that um, if you're number one on the search page, you get six or seven times more clicks than whoever's second. And if you're on the second page of Google search, nobody clicks you. But um, between one, two, and three, one may not necessarily be the best value. Um, Slightly lower positions in page search results 
they can produce better, more cost-effective ads. This is in page search results. So the reason is that lower position will cost less per click, but still gets you on the first search results page. Fourthly, you should sync your SEO with page search. So use SEO techniques to make your business website rich with keywords and phrases that customers might search for online. And if you already use pay-per-click ads, track the most successful keywords from your paid campaign and use them in your SEO efforts also. Make sure your geo-target, which is geographic targeting, your website and ads. So customise your pitch to specific cities, states, regions, or even neighbourhoods if you um, made most of your business in a small neighbourhood. One way to do that is to make sure that your complete address appears on every page of your website. You know, the content on your site and in your ads and directory listings should also mention your city as well as neighbouring cities and neighbourhoods so you cover those areas. Now, also, you've got to think, what do you carry around with you 24-7? Your mobile phone. So whatever you do must work for mobile. So search engines are starting to give higher scores to business websites that include a mobile-optimized version. So make sure that people searching for you on a mobile device are seeking fast access to information and services and will look local. My seventh piece of advice, use the right tools. Whether you're a carpenter or a baker, using the right tools is always important. And, you know, it's no different for finding and using the right keywords so your business can be found. So go with a reputation management tool that will do all your legwork for you. Finally, check out the check-in services with location-based or check-in services and applications the customers create a profile and sync up with friends by simply checking in when they visit a local business. So participating not only helps you get found, it's a great way to reward customer loyalty. Jackson, since you already have a copy of Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, I'm going to send you a copy of my book, Marketing Magic, that I wrote with Brian Tracy, Jay Conrad Levinson, and a few others, and that's on its way to you. Remember, The Bob Pritchard Show is here to help small businesses succeed. So send in your questions. Email me at bob at bobpritchard.com. Follow me on Twitter and Google Plus and become a contact of mine on LinkedIn. Just a reminder, if you missed my April newsletter and would like to receive my May newsletter, go to bobpritchard.com and register. Don't forget, I want to hear from you. So visit my website at bobpritchard.com. Sign up for the newsletter. Email me, tweet me. Tell me what it is that you want me to talk about. Thanks for listening to The Bob Pritchard. No bullshit business radio show for entrepreneurs. And remember, if you are serious about being successful, this is the place to come every single week at the same time. This is Bob Pritchard on the Voice America Business Network, and I hope you have a fantastic week. You've been listening to The Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Please join us again next Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until then, enjoy another week of success in your business and your life.